the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your daily source for in-depth business and investing news. We are Business 1440. KYCR, Golden Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee says Special Counsel Robert Mueller will not be showing up. Special Counsel Robert Mueller will not appear before the House Judiciary Committee next week. Committee Chairman Gerald Nadler, who wanted Mueller to testify on May 15th, announced Friday negotiations continue with Mueller and the Justice Department about the testimony. He added, if necessary, the committee will attempt to compel Mueller to testify. That is uh, Mike Grazia reporting. Schools shut down on Friday in the Houston area after an overnight storm dumped heavy rainfall on the flood-prone city, with more rain expected to flood the waterways over the weekend as well. The river's rising about one foot every two hours. Uh, Specifically down in that area, we have a community called Tierra Grande. That's Fort Bend County drainage engineer Jeff Janicek. He says they're keeping an eye on the flood levels all weekend long. This is SRN News. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here with one of the newest members to the Patriot family. So proud to be associated with the Mike Murphy team with EXP Realty. And with us is Sharon Murphy. So great to have you here, Sharon. Well, thanks, Lee. We're excited to work with the Patriot and your listeners. So tell us, what makes EXP Realty so different? Well, EXP is a cloud-based brokerage. We like to call it the future of real estate. A lot of people get frustrated with the gimmicks and overpromises of many other real estate agents. Who can blame them? We pride ourselves on being different. No gimmicks, just great service. When you call our number, you'll speak to me or my husband, Mike, not an inexperienced team member. That's great. So how do we get a hold of you? Give us a call at 651-216-7870 or go to MikeMurphyTeam.com. So if you're thinking of selling your home, check out Mike Murphy Team with eXp Realty, 651-216-7870 or online at MikeMurphyTeam.com. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Hi, this is Randy with Arby's Computer Service. You have heard me advertise on this and other stations for years and have trusted us for your IT needs, and I thank you for that. We now have an immediate need for a network server tech in our organization. If you or someone you know has a year or more business experience supporting these environments and is looking to work for a company like ours, I would like to speak with you. We are very competitive with other large companies for pay and benefits, including health and retirement planning. But because we are smaller, our environment is friendly and more flexible than some of the larger IT companies. You can do your job, and it can actually be fun doing so working for us. Call me today to determine if you have the requirements for the position so that we can move forward and you can become part of our team. We can be reached at 763-441-3884, or you can email me, randy at rbsmn.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Giving your computer problems the boot, Arby's Computer Service. King Banyan, as he shows you economic charts, graphs, and other visual aids you can't see on the radio here on Business 1440. Capitalism is, is not um, immoral, it's amoral. It requires our instruction. Mm. Capitalism has taken more people 
as of poverty than any other ism, but it is a wild beast, and if not tamed, it can chew up a lot of people. Welcome back, King Daniel Show. This is 1440. I like that quote. That was terrific. So, I want to... We'll put a bow on this thing and move on to some other some other items in a moment. Uh, but um, just to just to point out, um, in 2018, the uh, the U.S. government received 23 billion dollars in duties on goods imported from China on a, on an amount of about 543 billion dollars. Okay, I'm just looking at the data that's that comes from uh, from the uh, Bureau of Economic Analysis. So, so 543 billion dollars imported, 23 billion dollars paid. Who pays it? Legally, who pays it is is the importers of those goods from China. They're paid by the recipient. Okay, China sells them, they puts them on the ship, sends them here, and before you can get them out of the port. You have to pay Uncle Sam, right? Go into any major city that any major city, and uh, you will see. I was just I just drove by a few weeks ago when I was out there for the for the Boston Marathon. I drove by a building, and and it looks big and impressive, and and pretty old. And 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 my daughter says, "What's that?" And I said, "Oh, that's the Customs House." She says, "Customs House." She apparently hadn't had, she had economics, but apparently they hadn't discussed uh, how customs are actually assessed. So, so that's where it is. You know, you don't see, you don't see uh, foreign individuals in the customs house. Who you see are the exporters and the importers trying to get their goods in and out of the country. Right. So that's, that's who's paying it. Now, does that get shifted around? Does that reduce the amount of money that uh, the Chinese can receive for their goods? Of course it does. Right, so it's not entirely paid by by Americans. It's not entirely paid paid by the Chinese. This is what's so annoying about this debate, is that something we teach in the very first few weeks of the first course you have in economics, is that when you place a tax on a on a specific good, there's a legal burden. The legal burden is actually paid by U.S. by the U.S., uh, particularly by those importers. But then there's some shifting. Some of it's going to get kicked forward onto, some of it's going to get kicked forward onto uh, uh, people in terms of higher prices. Some of it's going to get kicked backwards in terms of a lower lower price for the for the wholesaler back in China for the exporter back in China. Some of it's going to get eaten by that importer. How does that get distributed? Well, guess what? That's a function of supply and demand, and in particular of the price elasticities of supply and demand. Those are terms we teach you in that first economics course. That, frankly, anyone who reports on this stuff ought to go refresh their minds about. We can tell you what happens to the amount of trade that happens. It goes down. The Trump administration views that as a feature and not a flaw. I view it as a flaw, not a feature. That's where we disagree. But when the when the government says, well, the Chinese are paying for that, they're partly right and partly wrong. 
when critics of the Trump administration say that's being paid by U.S. You, that's being paid by U.S. consumers. I say, well, they're partly right and partly wrong. And that, and is it being paid by the people who do the exporting and importing? Certainly. Their profits go down. That's why they are so vocal about this is because they're the one group that I know for sure are being harmed by it. Those who import goods, particularly, particularly large retailers, the Walmarts, the Costcos, the Home Depots that are selling a lot of products that come from overseas. There's no question that they're going to bear part of that cost. And so that's going to get that's going to get shifted on, onto them. That that issue is not well understood in this in this process, but please when you hear that and when I when I post things about this, it is not that I agree with the people who say oh, the US is paying the entirety of this cost. No, it's not. How much are the Chinese paying? You know what? Honestly, I don't know. There's attempts to try to figure it out. Those are e- those are econometric estimates that are fraught with potential for error, and you shouldn't believe any individual one of them. The reliable numbers that I've seen, the 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 careful studies I've seen, put the estimate somewhere in the twenty to forty billion dollar range. That seems. That seems a lot reasonable, but in a twenty trillion dollar economy, what's a twenty to forty billion dollar cost? It's not very much. Relative to the size of the tax cut, it's not probably gonna overwhelm it. Sure it would help with the trade war if the Fed was was easier with monetary policy, but but I think there are reasons why they shouldn't be shouldn't be easier. But that we've had that discussion before. We'll have it next week. We're not going to talk about that today. But but there's a lot of nonsense that's going on out there. Another piece of nonsense that I wanted to get to. That's not nonsense, but it is. It, it fascinates me. It just fascinates me. So uh, reported by my good friend Ed Morrissey, who I believe we've had on the show in the past. I would. I I may may wish to talk to him about this if, it, if this idea gets legs in the u.s house of representatives i will be visiting with him on the show for sure because he's been covering this pretty well so far i think he's decided he's going to own this story uh ed has been covering on his blog hotair.com um the story about uh alexandria ocasio cortez who's come out with uh her first bill it does what it limits interest rates it it brings back laws that go that date back centuries in in uh european history and and in history uh, in other parts of the world right usury which is defined as the 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 charging of excessive interest rates of unconscionable interest rates in in lending contracts in debt contracts there, there was for many years in our country caps on how much you could charge for interest on anything from a mortgage to a car loan to a credit card to unsecured debt. Um, many religions impose a zero interest rate cap. Okay, so any collection of interest of any kind whatsoever was considered usurious. Um, Indeed, uh, that was the case of both uh, of both uh, Islam and the Christian uh, 
churches uh, all the way up to about the 13th century. Slowly but surely, the Christians decided to um, to uh, relax those. Uh, some of the writings of Thomas Aquinas uh, took us down the path of not doing that. So, so oh, but politicians have typically wanted to so restrict the uh, opportunity for people to char- be charged high interest rates. And this goes to things like payday loans, car loans, those odd little contracts for buying furniture for getting furniture from a furniture rental company which in essence is paying on credit for a piece of furniture i used one but my use of it was not because i couldn't afford the furniture it was simply i was going to be living someplace for nine months and i didn't want to move my furniture from one from one part of the country to another part of the country so I stored my furniture up here in Minnesota, went out to Los Angeles and rented furniture for a year and then came right back and got the furniture out of storage and moved into my next place. Right? I was happy to pay that rate. Here's the problem. Right? So yesterday, and let me go, let me go find the uh the story from uh, my my good friend uh May have closed it. I may need to go back and find that later. But, uh, but, uh, Mr. Uh, let's see if I can find it here before, uh, before we get to the break. Uh, this came from, uh, this came from, uh, hotair.com and, uh, and Ed Morrissey posted this story. Uh, and it was, it, it's, it was about Ocasio Cortez coming out with Bernie Sanders. And they dropped a bill and said, you can't charge an interest rate more than 15% on uh, on any on any good uh and then she also brought in another piece of this which I'll get to in the next seg- segment this is actually titled uh we need a public option for banking modeled on the US postal service i'm going to give you a little history okay i'm going to give you a little history on this but this is from a piece that was uh, on Yahoo that, that Ed posted. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, introduced on Thursday a plan to rein in the profit banks can collect from consumers, proposing to cap credit card interest rates at 15%. Despite the fact that, the, that banks can borrow money today at less than 2.5% from the Federal Reserve, the average credit card interest rate today for consumers is a record-breaking 17.71%, the Vermont senator and freshman Queens congresswoman said in a statement about the plan. At a time when the American people hold a record $1 trillion in credit card debt and desperately need relief, we need to establish a national maximum interest rate of 15% on credit cards and other consumer loans. They said in their statement, they added that credit card companies that charge over 20% on credit cards are, quote, involved in extortion and loan sharking. Well, I don't know who they're lending to, but let me put it, let me, let me put this very bluntly. Who will be helped by this program will not be poor folks who probably have very little credit history and a checkered credit history at that, if you have a 15% cap on interest rates, then only the most creditworthy borrowers are likely to receive loans and credit cards 
and the poor who have trouble making ends meet and may miss a payment from time to time are likely to be simply shut out of the consumer credit market. Is that, in fact, your plan? Well, no, it's not. Because, okay, and here's, here's, here's how we get to, to the other half of the story. The other half of the story is they want to create a postal savings bank. Guess what? We had one for about six decades here in America, and we closed it back in the 60s. Let's tell the story of how it got formed and why, and why did we close it after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. My day is filled with people to thank. One that comes to mind right now is farmers. They work hard to produce food for my family and all families. So I owe them a hearty thank you for that. What I also want to do is personally thank all the farmers and other customers that currently use us for pressure washers, nozzles, and the rest. If you're in the agriculture industry, give us a call today and see what we can do for you at American Pressure. According to a recent Barna study, schools are seen as a negative influence on faith formation. Church leaders view parents, churches, and Christian communities as positive influences on a child's spiritual life. However, children are spending most of their daytime weekday hours at school, which is perceived by many church leaders as a negative influence. A good Christian school can provide a strong Christian community to help positively influence your child's spiritual formation. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we believe in the power of Christian education so much We have partnered with local Christian schools to offer half-off your child's first year of tuition. It's our half-off tuition program. To find out if the school you are considering is part of this program and to take another great step in your child's faith formation, call me, Alyssa Brecken, at 651-289-4406. That's 651-289-4406. Or visit our website at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Eating better can be a challenge, not to mention sometimes confusing. Eat this, don't eat that, and don't even ask me what a healthy fat is. Working towards your physical wellness can be a challenge, but you don't have to do it on your own. Wellness Radio 1570 is here to help make it a little easier, with all of the encouragement and guidance to help you work towards your best you. And don't forget, you can take Wellness Radio 1570 with you wherever you go by downloading our free mobile app.
Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Postal banks. I mean, I heard this during the Sanders campaign in 2016. Postal banks. And I will say, I'm familiar with the concept in no small part because having worked in several uh, countries, let me tell you, in case there's any new listener to the show, um, it's worth it's worth discussing my background a little bit. I am, of course, Dean of the School of Public Affairs here at St. Cloud State. Longtime economics professor, as the show likes to talk about. What you might not know from that particular introduction is that for some years I was a uh, I was a consultant who worked in several countries overseas, and particularly in the former Soviet Union, but also areas of Central Europe. Uh, I've worked in Macedonia, for example. I've worked in Egypt and Armenia, Indonesia, Mongolia. As well as uh, as well as Ukraine, um, did some uh, early work as a not as an ad, as an official advisor in in a quasi government capacity, but as a researcher working on a long term grant project. Um, it was in uh, places like uh, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, Hungary, and so forth. Uh, and most of that work happened between. 1993 and 2007. I haven't done any of that consulting work since that time. Um, so so I, I say this with, with some knowledge, not just from a textbook, but from having lived in some, uh, spent time in some of these countries. Many of these countries established banking for private, for, for households through the government. In the Soviet system, uh, it was called Sperbank. Uh Sperbank was basically a government-run savings bank and designed for individuals to receive to receive money from them, store it in a safe pl- in a place that the government would say was safe, and and, and so on, and and then provide basic banking services: the ability to go get a check to pay somebody. Some postal savings banks allow consumers, customers, households to have have checking accounts. You'd be surprised how many countries individuals do not have a checkbook in their in their in their wallet or in their pocketbook. They have they might have a credit card instead that operates like a debit card. Particularly uh, Scandinavia, it's almost it's almost completely unheard of for an individual to walk around with a checkbook unless they own a business. Check bo- checks were something by which businesses did work with other businesses or by which they paid their employees. They did not use, okay, but households didn't use checks necessarily, even to pay their mortgage on their home. That's not how that was done. So in many countries over time, the, the banks were created, but the banks were created to take advantage of scale economies tended to congregate in larger cities. And if you lived in a small city or in a village someplace, you didn't have a bank near you. But you did have a post office. post office was, of course, a presence of the government. So it made sense if you wanted to deliver a key service of an increasingly uh, market-based economy in the 19th century and the early 20th century, you would create... You would create a, a you take advantage of a network that you already had in place. Instead of building new little buildings all over, all over your country, you simply took advantage of the fact that you had already built a little building called the post office and said, "We'll just put a bank in there." 
So it starts really in the United Kingdom. Okay, it starts in the United Kingdom uh, in in um, approximately I want to say eighteen forty. I've lost track of track of uh, where where I have that that particular factoid. But it started. It, it's in Wikipedia. You go look it up. Uh, it, that the Wikipedia uh, article is pretty pretty bare bones, but it'll give you the basics of what it is. And so it was meant to create a place where a household could put money because otherwise what were they doing so think about 19th century second half 19th century early 20th century america if you needed to pay a bill what did you do you walked around with cash and you kept it in a lockbox in your home or on your person which made it of course susceptible to theft and so you had good right to be concerned about whether or not someone would why you didn't have access to those kinds of services. Now, borrowing money is a little different. So there are also places, and and this is an important distinction, between between banks, which largely were there to do work with businesses. That's why we often put put the adjective in front, commercial bank. They're banks designed for commerce, for for business to business or business to household work. They were not designed commercial banks like Bank of America were not really designed ever to be to be a bank where a household would go to get a mortgage, for example, or a credit card. Wells Fargo was not designed that way. What they had, because the one thing, one financial service you might want, was they had savings and loans, or back in the old days, buildings and loans. A building and loan was basically a pl- was a mortgage shop that used uh, that would take in uh, money from individuals to sort of form a mutual organization through which these loans would be made. Of course, they're very small. They were haphazard around the country. Not everybody had access to them. Formed in the same way as a credit union might be. Credit unions are a little bit different, and I'm not going to get. I don't want to get too far afield in giving you sort of the whole gamut of the structure of the banking industry in in 1910. Why do I focus on 1910? Because that's when the U.S. savings. That's when the first U.S. Postal Savings Bank was created. In 1907, there had been a major panic here in America. Many of the banks on the East Coast, several banks on the East Coast, collapsed. Much of the much of the uh, fallout of that um, spread through the rest of the country because banks out in the Midwest that did loans for agriculture or loans to or were places that were saving the money, holding the money for those buildings and loans and mutual savings banks collapsed, and there was no recourse. Those banks that were out in the Midwest that were providing ag loans and mortgages collapsed. And so there was a great hue and cry in the country, we got to fix this. The one fix that you know a lot about if you're a regular listener to the King Banyan Show here on Business 1440 is it's what started the Federal Reserve. This is the Knickerbocker crisis that eventually led to, to the formation of the Federal Reserve. But another aspect of it, which has largely now been flushed down the memory hole unless you unless you're a student of banking history was, in 1911, the United States passed a law to create a postal savings bank. And so the postal savings bank was, of course, something that was truly desired here. 
um, in the United States by several people. The the it, it, the Republicans wanted it because, and in fact, in 1908, the Republican platform said the establishment of a postal savings banks for the convenience of the people and encouragement of thrift was included in the Republican platform. The Democrats wanted to guarantee bank deposits, and they and they the postal savings bank they were okay with it. They wasn't great, so it was pretty clear by 1908 both sides were willing to live with that. The banks were okay with it. Because they said, you know, we don't want the postal savings banks to compete with us. But to go back to what Ocasio-Cortez and Sanders have done, what the savings bank did at first was to say, we're going to charge, we're going to pay an interest rate at the savings bank. The law that enacted it paid the paid two percent interest at a time when the banks were paying three and a half percent interest. So now, in terms of deposits. The savings banks were no competition. The, the postal bank was no competition for the commercial banks. So the commercial banks like, oh, okay then, that's fine. The other part of the postal savings bank story was, was, and this is the question that hasn't been answered, and I'm hoping to get answers to this as we follow the story of what, how they might create a postal savings bank. What does the postal savings bank do with the money? Where do they put it? This is a key piece of this story because there is someone trying to do basically what a postal savings bank would do. So think about this. The postal savings bank is going to take in deposits, provide services to the depositors. How is it going to make money? Well, in the old postal savings bank system back in 1910, they were told you keep 5% in reserve, the other 95% you're going to give to the commercial banks in your state. Which was another way of providing a SOP to the commercial banks so that they would be okay with getting this competition. But they were not to put their money into a building and loan. So the commercial banks and these depo- and, and, the, and the politicians came to an agreement to basically stick it to the savings and loans, the buildings and loans companies. What do you think is going to happen with this one? We'll talk about that right after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. So, Along with everything else you have to do day-to-day running your business, you're trying to manage your digital marketing and social media. It's a lot of heavy lifting. How can you compete? Well, first, lighten the load. Get in touch with Salem Surround. We take the mysteries of digital marketing off your shoulders and deliver customers so you can run your business. To compete in today's business world, you must utilize every digital marketing tool possible. But who has the time to research, learn, and access all the options? Our team at Salem Surround has the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof. It's easy, and there's no heavy lifting. Get started with a free evaluation 
of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. There really are no limitations on how and where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com, connecting you with new customers. He's a national radio host and former Fox News contributor and White House staffer. And he's coming to the Twin Cities on June 15th. Join us for Dive In, dinner and discussion with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Find tickets and details at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Most people would like more freedom to do what they want, when they want, and on their own time. At Online Trading Academy, we will teach you the strategies so you can have the freedom to do those things. Whether you're looking for a supplemental income, how to better manage your 401k retirement account, or even know how to manage your broker, we are here for you. Online Trading Academy is the world leader in financial education. We've helped thousands of people just like you become confident, self-directed investors. Online Trading Academy can provide you with valuable skills that can help you accomplish your goals. Now is the time to get started. Join us this week for a free investing class by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone. Use the keyword OTA. Again, that's pound 250, keyword OTA, or go to learnwithota.com. Again, learnwithota.com. Good times, great conversation, and the best cigars. It's Smokin' with the Count and Sparky. Each week, the guys look at the funniest, most interesting, and most bizarre headlines while reviewing their cigars and cracking wise. It's an hour of joking and smoking that'll leave you feeling like a million bucks. So head down to your man cave, kick back, light up, and tune in. Smokin' with the Count and Sparky. Saturdays at 5 p.m. here on Business 1440. Right now, Luckies make any purchase and pick up a free two liter of any Pepsi product. Whether it's two cents or $200, it doesn't matter what you spend. Just mention Business 1440 and get a free two liter soda. Visit LuckyStations.com to find a station near you. Lucky Station, your neighborhood store. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440. What would you think of a bank that just took in deposits and didn't make loans? Well, one thing, you'd be really, really safe. That'd be great. Does it take a government to do that? No, actually it doesn't. Uh, John Cochran, uh, who blogs who blogs at johncochran.blogspot.com, operates a blog called The Grumpy Economist. A couple months ago, started to post a series of articles on um, uh, on a uh, a bank called simply T and B, stands for the Narrow Bank. Okay, so the Narrow Bank has a pretty simple model. We're going to take in deposits. We're going to provide services. Two, we're going to provide services to um, customers who deposit their money with us. The interest rate on those deposits will be determined by the rate that uh, the Federal Reserve pays as interest on excess reserves. We'll charter as a bank to be a member of the Fed, to be a member of the Federal Reserve System. We'll deposit our money, including all all of our, we'll deposit all of our deposits. 
they'll send back they'll send back the interest on excess reserves for the portion of that which is excess which would be currently 88% of deposits excuse me 90% of deposits and we'll take a little bit to pay for our operations and collect a, collect our profit and we'll give the rest of it back to the depositors so the interest on excess reserves right now interest rate on excess reserves right now is about two and a quarter percent they'd get ninety percent of that on the okay they get they'd get that for ninety percent of their deposits so that would give them an effective rate of approximately let's say two percent suppose they take a quarter point and say that quarter point is going to allow us to operate plus plus uh, that's going to allow us to operate plus make a little profit right and we're going to pay one and three quarters percent back to tax to our depositors perfectly safe right the money's in the fed right it can't be any safer you have a hundred percent reserves you're going to get one and three quarters percent on that money um how many of you listening to me here on the king banyan show know where you can go to find a bank that's willing to pay you one and three quarters percent uh in interest on your deposit from the first dollar and say and give you your services they'll give you a check maybe they'll give you a checking account maybe they'll give you all that stuff and you don't have and, and you don't have to worry about the money ever going back they don't have to have fdic insurance right they don't have to have fdic because it's 100 percent reserves they're their charter says we will keep the money at the Fed. We will not lend it out. Who could be against that? Answer: The Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve turned down TNB to receive a charter. Federal Reserve says, "Well, we're you know we only are here." TNB went to court and said they can't do that. They didn't have a plausible reason to dismiss our charter. Um, okay. Uh, it, it, and the Fed has, of course, filed to dismiss. This is the first paragraph in their motion to dismiss the case as a defendant against uh, TNB, who's the plaintiff in the case. TNB asked the course for, for declaratory judgment and an injunction compelling defendant Federal Reserve Bank of New York to accept deposits from TNB so that it can arbitrage a critical interest rate the, the Federal Reserve uses to fulfill its statutory mandate to set and execute United States monetary policy. TNB seeks to open a deposit account at the Federal Reserve not so it can engage in the typical business of banking, but solely so that TNB can park the funds of its wealthy institutional depositors in the account and pass TNB's IOER earnings onto them after taking a cut for themselves. Well, you're the one making the offer. TNB could, at this very moment, go out and say, "Well, I'll tell you what. We will go out and we will, we will take in our deposits, and we will just buy treasury bills, immediately convertible back into cash, and we'll pay and we'll arbitrage off that. That's a perfectly legal activity." But arbitraging the Fed's rate is not. So they're willing to drive that one out. But at the very same time they're talk we're talking about that, here comes AOC and Sanders and, and Bernie saying, we want to create a postal bank. And so ask yourself, you have to ask yourself this question. 
What are they going to do with the money? We know why some people are in favor of this. Reported uh, this week, um, the U.S. Postal Service, this is from uh, Eric, Eric Baim at, uh, at uh, Reason Magazine, title of the article, after losing nearly $4 billion last year, Postal Service on track to lose $7 billion this year. Um, revenue and mail volumes flat, of course, because the Fed, because FedEx and, and, and UPS have competed away most of the profitable biz, business away from them. But if you look on the other side here, they, lo- they lost $4 billion last year and they're about to lose $7 billion this year. They lost $2 billion just in the second quarter. Report in Corley fiscal report published on uh, Friday, the post office reported small decreases in mail volume and overall revenue compared with the same quarter of 2018. Its big losses were driven by a sharp increase in expenses, primarily workers' compensation costs, pension liabilities, and payments for retirees' health benefits. Are you seeing where this is going? For the fiscal year that ended on September 30, 2018, the Postal Service recorded a then-record loss of $3.9 billion. At the time, Postmaster General Megan Brennan bluntly declared that the agency, quote, cannot generate revenue or cut enough costs to pay our bills and predicted that the agency would continue to post losses at an accelerating rate. Those her words. It's not exactly news that personnel costs are driving the Postal Service's financial problems. The agency has $100 billion in unfunded pension liabilities and no clear path to prosperity, according to a White House assessment report released last year. Since 2007, they've lost $69 billion. And AOC and Bernie want you to send your postal, your, your, your savings account to them while the Fed is preventing a private organization from doing pretty much the very same thing. But the question really is, what would the post post office do with the money? We know what happened in in 2010, or excuse me, in 1910. In 1910, they passed the law and said, you're going to hold 5% as reserve, and the other 95% you're going to deposit with the commercial banks. Now you're going to talk about bringing in all that money and you bring it into an organization that's got $100 billion in unfunded pension liabilities. Where is it going to go? Do you think it's actually going to go back all the way? You're going to pay competitive interest rates to those, to those people? Or is that money going to be sent there? No, my friends, no, my friends. This idea of a postal, of a postal bank I say this is their this is their cure for the problem of the post office because post office what it has is pension liabilities and it has which means it has retirees and it has people who who currently work there. Now, full disclosure, my my father-in-law, God rest his soul, uh was a postal carrier who lived down his re- in retirement on his pension that came from the post office. I can assure you though, He's passed away back in 2004. I can assure you, his retirement fund, um, his pension plan, probably was not as generous 
as the one that's there that's there today. But I want to be sure you understand. I I actually know a little bit about how the post office does this. It would uh, it would it would uh, it would come here. So they write. Eric Eric Bain writes. In other words, it would take okay the idea of a postal bank takes a government agency that's already failing to compete with private sector alternatives in the shipping industry despite massive structural advantages and let it fail in competition against private banks as well. Well, no, they won't. They're not going to because they're going to stop bank, they stop private entities from taking advantage of this very same thing. I promise you, the postal, the post office, a postal bank, would be a member of the Fed. It would deposit money your money there at the at the at the Federal Reserve, it would receive interest on its excess reserves, and that interest would be used to pay the depositors and pay the retirees at the same time. In other words, it's a way of taking the money that is earned by the Federal Reserve, known as seniorage, and turning it into a a slush fund to help pay the pension liabilities of folks folks in the post office. It's got to happen that way. That is about the only way that's going to end up making any sense. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Good day. Welcome to our show. Today's topic, how to cover up your backyard. Well, I can't use my tool because it's not big enough, eh? No, but you got a lot of space back there. You know what would fit? What? An Arctic spa or Arctic swim spa. Oh, yeah. Take off. It would have helped with a cabin fever for sure. Why should we get one now instead of waiting for fall? Well, because there are model close-up pricing deals. You like a good deal. Showroom clearance deals. And the new models are also starting to show up in the showroom. Yeah, but aren't we going to have to pay a premium right now, eh? No. Premier Pool and Spa wants you to have the spa your dreams when you want it. They get you the very best deal any time of the year. They also bring them in by their truckload, so you can take advantage of those big savings. It sounds like they're working hard for me. They want you to have the best hot tub. And it's made in Canada for those Minnesota of winters, eh? For the very best price, eh? Yeah, save on all the Arctic spas today. Visit Premier Pool in Chanhassen at PremierPools.com. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously. American pressure. Spray it. Don't save it. Do you have a pressure washer in your shop that takes diesel fuel or kerosene? Are you tired of filling that tank every day? A stationary pressure washer that heats the water with natural gas or electricity from American Pressure is a great solution. Call us to discover all the ways a new stationary machine could benefit your business. We are always glad to come out to you, look at your current setup, and make recommendations. That new stationary unit will hook up to your existing natural gas line, which will save you both the cost of fuel as well as the time and effort in of refueling a pressure washer. The pressure washer will exhaust through the roof of your building or out the sidewall. And if it's an all-electric unit, there will be no exhaust stack at all. In addition, we've got all the right accessories to go with your machine, including trolley systems, hose reels, wands, trigger guns, and everything you need to make the cleaning job as easy and safe as it can be. 
This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Facebook has removed seven people identified as extremists. The New York Times reported it this way. After years of wavering about how to handle the extreme voices populating its platform, Facebook evicted seven of its most controversial users, many of whom are conservatives, immediately inflaming the debate about the power and accountability of large technology companies. End quote. Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam and Alex Jones of the InfoWars website were among those evicted. But the Times made a point of identifying them as conservative. Are we looking at a more ominous threat? The question is, is this the beginning of excising all unwanted speech from Facebook? We don't have any assurances that this is not the case. And we know well the political and cultural climate at Facebook. When you consider the fact that 2.4 billion people on the planet use Facebook, we have every reason to be concerned. I'm Albert Moeller. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440, final segment of the hour here. Uh, 651-289-4477. Yeah, who knows? Don asks, you know, what would be the bank handling fees? Would it be, you know, he, he argues that it would be like about 70%. Who knows? Uh, who knows? And, and But uh, it, it, suffice to say, there will be some shenanigans paid. You, did you know, here's one thing that happened. Uh, in that period um, that I think people have forgotten. Um, between 19... So so the Postal Savings Bank was eventually closed. Here's here's what happened. Okay, so here's the story of the Postal Savings Bank in about, in about 90 seconds. Comes in... Comes in... The, the, when you were supposed to deposit in a commercial bank, you were supposed to deposit... You were supposed to put your money in a commercial bank in your state so that the money that was deposited could stay within the state and help local local borrowers. During the Great Depression, two things happened. First, the interest rate that was being offered at commercial banks, which had been offering the, the postal bank 3.5% interest back in 1910, fell to below 2%, while the government never changed, the government never changed the 2% rate that was being paid to being paid to depositors at the postal bank. So two things happened. One, the money that used to go to the building and loans companies was drained out of them and went over to the postal bank because the buildings and loans couldn't couldn't pay 2% anymore. Market rates had fallen. The rates on mortgages had fallen. And for them to be able to stay in business, they had to reduce their, their rates on their deposits down to, say, 1%. So you can get 2% at the post office or 1% here. Sure, of course, we'll be... We'll we'll do that instead. So that that worked out absolutely. That so that happened, and of course it contributed to the collapse of the building and loan industry during the Great Depression. The other thing that happened was, the postal banks were supposed to deposit in their local in their local state, but they couldn't find commercial banks to take the money because they too had reduced their interest rates to below two percent. So what they ended up doing was depositing it at the Treasury instead, and that ended up exacerbating the amount of money that had left the system. By depositing it at the Treasury, in effect, the Federal Reserve, in effect, they were helping to contract the money supply. Not a very large number, but it was a, it was a number. It was there. So, so you put those pieces together, 
and and you end up with you end up with uh you end up with a mess so that's what happened in the entire time that the post that the postal bank existed from 1910 to when it was closed in 1966 the interest rate you got at the post office was 2% as i like to say come hell high water or little green people okay it was 2% for 56 consecutive years. No regular bank operates that way. The narrow bank, the one that the Federal Reserve is trying to kill off, says, we're going to pay you based on what that rate is. When that rate goes up, the rate you're going to get goes up. When that rate goes down, the rate you're going to get goes down. So all of the interest rate risk is moved on to the depositor and stays out of the narrow bank, which will be able to just continue to take, you know, its particular uh, its particular cut, um, and that would that would be um, uh, uh, that would be better uh, that would be better than what was there otherwise. It's just it, it's it's amazingly stupid. But it is an example of, of sort of a general theme. Markets are better able to allocate these goods and services of, rather than rather than having um, having the government do it. It's the same story. I was having a little discussion on on Twitter this week with uh, listener Frank uh, talking about minimum wage uh, and so forth. If you look at if you look at uh, a, a study that was in the journal Political Economy, which is like one of the top five journals in when in 1996 the Fed tried, excuse me, the federal government tried to make people feel better off by raising the minimum wage, um, they some places were able to help it. But what happened? What was really important in terms of what happened is that is that first of all it goes to the wrong people it's poorly targeted and markets react to that this was a this was a major this was a major mistake that has been made time and time again controlling interest rates is a major mistake that's made time and time again so think about this one more time here are the two features that happened one that come out of the Ocasio-Cortez and Sanders press conference. One, they want to cap interest rates, which are going to hurt the poor. Why? Because the poor will not get access to credit at an interest rate that has any impact at all. If he said, well, I want to put usury rates in for credit cards, and the usury rate will be 30%. Well, there are very few credit cards that are charging 30%, but there might be in the future, which gets me to the second point. Once you put those numbers in place that are that are done by law, it takes another law to change that rate, and they stay stuck for a very long time. The post office story is a fabulous example. In the middle of the Great Depression, when interest rates being paid by banks was below 1%, the government never changed the rate at the postal bank. They kept it at 2% and caused disintermediation of the savings and loan industry as a result. Did significant damage to the amount of lending for homes, the amount of and and the collapse of these of these places which didn't have insurance and therefore 
the depositors of the savings and loans, which were largely small households, got were were simply wiped out in part by a government action that they never went ahead to fix. That's why you don't want to have this happen. So that's the story of the Postal Bank. We had one. They've gone away here in the United States. They do exist still in some other countries. But in many places, they've been privatized. And the other places where there's still postal services are banks, places where there just aren't sufficient banking services. And I would just ask you, what problem are they trying to solve? Can you define for me anywhere in the United States people who do not have access to basic financial services? There are people that do not use financial services. Why? Not because they don't want to, but because they've just, excuse me, not because they can't, but because they don't want to. They haven't undertaken what they need to do that. And there are people that just still prefer to be anonymous and pay things in cash. And why shouldn't they be able to pay them in cash? If you really wanted to have that kind of a bank, it's been proposed, it exists. Senator Sanders, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, why don't you sponsor a bill to require the Federal Reserve to allow the narrow bank to offer its accounts and to have an account at the Federal Reserve Bank in New York? That's how you would fix it. Hey, I want to thank you for listening today. Congratulations to graduates this weekend, next weekend, going forward. We'll be back next week uh, with another episode of the King Banyan Show. Thank you, Andrew, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. This isn't 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, can give you your real natural hair back permanently. They're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts SAVE22 to 85850. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. You wash it. You cut it. It's your own real, naturally growing hair. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text SAVE22 to 85850. That's S-A-V-E-22 to 85850. Social Security is with you through life's journey. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. We are there when you get your first job, helping you to save for the future. We are there when you marry your sweetheart to help secure your new life together. We are there if the unexpected happens, to help you see life from a new perspective. We are there when you start your next chapter to make sure you get off to a great start. And we are there when you lose your soulmate to help make sure you will be all right. We are with you through life's journey, Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us and see what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. 
Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, I'm Lee, along with Matt and Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. In John chapter 3, there's a man named Nicodemus that comes to Jesus by night to ask him questions. Nicodemus was a pretty smart guy. He was even admired by a lot of people around him. He was a Pharisee who had so much knowledge of the scriptures at that time, but he missed one simple truth. You must be born again. Many people call us with issues that seem complicated regarding their roof or gutters. There may actually be a simple solution to the problem. We'd love the opportunity to come to your home, take a look at what's happening, and see if there isn't that simple solution. Just as Jesus answered Nicodemus' question with the famous verse, John 3.16, we hope to solve your problem with a straightforward solution. Call us today at 612-900-9166 or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.net. That's thekingdombuilders.net. We're not salespeople. We're just great roofers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.